You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of our show for a special message from our team. Somebody asked me the, the other day what the um, the only Fortune like 100 company, I guess, the, in, in all of Alabama, and it was Regions Bank. That's right. I didn't realize Regions was uh, Oh, Regions is legit. Yeah, it's right. I didn't realize they were headquartered there. Oh, Where yeah. Uh, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Awesome. Place. Also, big data hub. You know. Yes. Uh, yes. But it MT- is MTSU. All the, all the high quality data scientists. <laughs> you know, they out. just launched a new program. Do they really? At MTSU. No kidding. That's very. I cool. got an email uh, day before yesterday about it that they're launching a data science and artificial intelligence master's program at MTSU. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think my favorite program they have there though is the um, they've got, I think it's a master's or a doctoral in, hops. Hops? So they're building a beer hops lab where they've got local breweries Stop. coming out and building a massive hops farm to understand <laughs> the science behind. See, hops I can get into that. Uh, yeah, that's a I great can get idea. into that. I think I'm gonna go back to school. I thought I you were gonna go with something with the recording industry. You know that oh. when I taught there, it was. I just noticed you have a data robot sticker on your thing over there, so we're gonna have to go get you some data IQ stickers. Did, oh, is there not one on here? I we're gonna have to. Oh, we're gonna oh, have to get. Oh, we're gonna oh, have to get. It's okay. I have. It's one okay. It's a poor form, my friend. I have. I do. I have. I have the. I have. The the Biggie Smalls, uh, I like the, the way you call uh, me I Big Data. Call big data. Yeah, oh, I've got oh, that so one. You know. And I've got the Lost in Random Forest as well. Oh, so oh, you're dude. a fan? Oh, you're and, a fan. And I, got a new, I got a new one in my back you're pocket here. Hang on. Which one? The uh, the Data Rebel. Ah, Data yeah. Rebel. Yeah. What, so what's the kind Some of them are kind of risque. What's Is that this? Bowie, right? Is that a Bowie thing? Yeah. It's a what thing? Yeah, Ziggy Stardust, right? Oh. Yeah, we have some we have some pretty wild ones. Banana data. Yeah, that's just just bizarre. Just just random. I actually heard about why 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 banana data. So that's the name of our blog and our our weekly email. And and I was told by the person that created it that Florian or our CEO, um, and he's got a quirky personality. They wanted something that was fresh and and new. Yeah. And so he said, "You mean like a banana?" (laughs) And then, and then the folks took it and Uh decided to title it banana data. So I, I like think that. it's awesome. We we're a, we're a really quirky group of very smart people. I'm not one of them. They That's let me in. But you know, like <laughs> the the other the, the, everybody else in the company is super smart. Gotcha. And they just go out and build stuff. That's right? awesome. And so when you look at our company, um, you know, it was founded in Paris, and for the first really four years of its life, was sort of quietly building this. This what is an all, really the, bi- the biggest collection of, of software I've ever seen uh, to solve this data science problem, and really not marketing it and selling it in the U.S. at all, yeah. which is so different than the way that you know most most companies are built. Especially they start here. Yeah, they they start here, right? And they kind of they build and sell and build and sell, and there's a little vaporware in it. My gosh, I can't get I can't get Paris to say we're integrated with something unless it's you know 100% integration. Well, that's a nice or problem to have. Yeah, though. but I'm a kind of a cowboy, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> is there an API to it? Cool. Yeah, integrated. <laughs> well, Ken Sanford, thanks for joining us. Yeah, we are you. at uh, Spark Summit, uh, Spark and AI Summit. I'm sorry, I forgot the branding has changed. Brought to us by Databricks and the Moscone Center West in San Francisco, and we're here to talk about Data IQ. So Ken Sanford, Dr. Ken Sanford, let me get it correct, PhD. Uh, let me introduce the guy who's Kyle not Perry. a doctor. Uh, Kyle Prince is joining us as a co-host yes. today. Yes, future doctor. Not Maybe. a doctor? <laughs> not, not a doctor. doctor. Not a doctor. doctor. Like the, uh, hot dog, not hot dog. Yeah, the Silicon Valley. Like, not doctor. <laughs> not doctor. doctor. Not doctor. No. I think so. it's because the length of the beard's a little too long for the yeah. doctor. Become just a... Has to, like, oh. it up. I just can't grow him like that. 
Uh, it's a lot of time and patience and uh, beard oil. <laughs> that's the thing. See, that's the thing. The people start getting itchy. They forget about it. And they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. You got to get the beard oil. I'll tell you, my wife told me the other day, she said, I actually like the beard. You can, you're going to have to keep it. Uh, hey. That's like a rite of passage for me. So, yeah. yeah so, we've told other folks, this is like a this is like an insurance policy, this thing called Big Data Beard. Because then, like, our, our wives can't be like, oh, you guys can't, you can't show those beards. It's my brand. It's a brand. My yeah. children, I've got a three and a five year old at home, and they like have stickers on their backpacks. And they're like, Daddy's Big Data Beard. And so they see a beard and they, they just didn't even know it's just a beard. They call it it's a Big Data Beard, which is brilliant. <laughs> So, I love yeah, it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Where's home for you? Uh, so now it's New York City. Okay. Um, it's been a couple different places. Raleigh, North Carolina. With uh, speaking of the, my ba- my background, uh-huh. I started in analytics with SAS. Uh, so the 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 professor thing was real. I did that for a handful of years. Uh, uh, had fun with it, but always wanted to take the. So it's in economics, first of all. Econ historically wasn't a, a big, sort of a big data. It certainly wasn't big data, and it wasn't really thought of as a, a data background. And and with uh, the rise of grow, Freakonomics and Stephen Levitt's stuff, uh, folks started in, in the econ field, and of course, the just the prevalence of all sorts of interesting data sets, uh, economists started getting into applied micro, micro data, mi- micro um, econometrics, which is really my background. And so I, I did some work. Uh, <laughs> is proof you can get your dissertation in anything? Okay. Uh, mine is on a uh, kind of a complicated price optimization um, sort of theory, and then empirical application uh, for something uh, that you know monopolists should be able to differentiate their goods in a certain way through some pricing. Um, but I actually did it on college sports tickets. So, so did you end up so selling study, this for how many millions I, of dollars? Uh, that would, yes, that's why I'm here. <laughs> I, I, wah, I'm, uh, wah. yeah, wah, wah, wah. But, but anyway, so, so um, I, I studied this big data space kind of before I knew what it was. Uh, and economists go and do this weird consulting called transfer pricing. Transfer pricing, you know, I, I sell goods in multiple sides of the, m- multiple countries, and, and they're not, um, so it's a complex good, so one, one sort of country builds part of it, the other company, country finishes it off, think of like an, an iPhone in different stages, right? And then I have to make a cost, I have to make a transaction across international borders, and that of course creates perverse incentives for companies to manipulate prices mm-hmm. uh, in order to change the way, their overall tax burden, right? So right. Shifting, shifting uh, profits to, you know, places that are low tax jurisdictions. Um, and sounds fun. Yeah, it's, so, in I practice, mean, it's like doing the work of an, an attorney, right? I'm, I'm reading <laughs> right. contracts and saying, "Oh, this widget's like this widget, not for me." Uh, and then, right, right about the time I was fed up with it, SAS found me and said, "We'd like you to come and be an evangelist for our math." Huh? And I said, "Well, that sounds fun. I yeah. I get to sit in R and didn't know what SAS was. I thought it was like ten people." In really? North Carolina. Well, it turns out that the algorithm part of the company is actually, um, it's, I mean, it's big, but it's quite, it's quite a small part yeah. because the corporate analytics space was heating up, right? Yeah. And then now it's become data science and then machine learning and now AI. Yeah. Um, and so after spending four years there um, in a role that allowed me to see behind the curtain of all the big companies that use SaaS, which are all the big companies of the world, uh, I, I got the bug to try the startup life. And I actually came out here for a little while, worked with a, a, a startup called H2O, uh, which was a, a wonderful experience. I spent a year with them. And, and I learned the non-proprietary part of the world, the open source yep. space, right? Mm-hmm. And Hadoop and Spark and all the R and Python and all those, all those, those keywords. Uh, and then 
I realized that there was this, this big gap in the data science space uh, in that you know, the machine learning part is important and the automated modeling is important and the deployment's important, but I got to get the data in somehow. And it's, there's a real, there's a real disconnect. Mm -hmm. And so I saw this little company data IQ and, and I, 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 you know, what initially I thought was too pretty to be good upon digging a little deeper, I realized, oh, it's just pretty because they, they have a high fit and finish, yeah. right? And, and so- Big focus what, on UX. Yeah, what we, what we ended up building was this very pretty but super effective platform to build and deliver data products. Okay. So. So DataIQ, based in, you said it's based in Paris? No, it's, so it's actually uh, based in the US, oh, our, okay. uh, based in New York. Okay. Uh, a lot of our R&D still comes out of Paris. Gotcha, okay. Right? And, cool. and so the US is a lot of the marketing and sales arm, mm -hmm. uh, but we do have a tremendous amount of support in the, the US as well. Yeah, but absolutely. New York and Paris, kind of co-headquarters, co if you will. Gotcha. Those are two beautiful cities. So your role now within DataIQ, is it very much an evangelist role, or are you... Are you a subject matter expert? It, it, it is. It's a it's an evangelist subject What's matter your expert title? technical. It's a what did I call myself? An analytics architect? Yeah. Is that why what is I it that you why did you why does why don't you like Because the, I don't like system engineer. Oh, see that hurts my feelings. I can't stand that title. It it <laughs> oh. makes never mind. It, it, or or because because it it really assumes that you're in the you're either in the product or right. you're using the product and selling this stuff is it's not it, it's complex. You know, mm -hmm. you walk through the hall. I can credibly say that we're the only vendor whose com competition is everyone else. Really? Okay. Like we, we, we literally y y use everybody else's stuff. So in mm -hmm. some ways it's frenemies yeah. with mm -hmm. everybody in the, in the whole hall. Um, and, and so because of that, it's very difficult in a sales motion to do it without somebody with both the, the technical chops to be in the room yep. and then the EQ to, to realize what somebody's actually asking. Yeah. Right. Uh, gotcha. because, and, and so it's fun. I get to play coach for salespeople. I get to play a little bit of marketing, a little bit of evangelization. Sometimes yep. I actually get into the software and do cool, do stuff. Oh I mean, my stuff's not good, Yeah. <laughs> but like I can explain other people's stuff, which is fortunately nice. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> so I have a weird, weird role. Yeah. But it's so, so did IQ, you said you, you kind of cooperate, compete with a lot of folks yeah. at a high level. The, what is the, what is the real, like the unique value prop of what did IQ does? Like what is the core technology offering that you guys bring to market? From a pure tech perspective, mm -hmm. it's, it's glue for a very disjointed process. Our CEO Florian uh, often says we're a communications layer. We're really a communication layer um, among technologies, okay. and we're a communication layer among different kinds of personas. So in building and delivering data products, you often start with somebody, someone who's uh, touching uh, the data and may not know exactly where they want to go with it, but they understand Hadoop and Spark, and they can build a pipeline, right? And then it's thrown over the wall to a data science team or maybe a statistician team, mm -hmm. right? The, and, and they take a data set and maybe play with it a little bit more yep. and then build a model. And then they take that model and then they throw that over the fence to the release engineering team and they have to translate that entire thing from some non-production ready environment or language to something else like Java. That process, uh, you lose a lot in every step of the translation, right? And, 
And oftentimes, if the data scientist needs anything, they have to go all the way back to the data engineer. And because of the platform problems, they're using a different, they're, they're not in the same space. Mm -hmm. And so that takes time and it takes energy. We effectively make seamless the, the, the movement from one step in the data science process to the other. That's why I think so from, it was so unique. So from data ingestion to getting the raw data and the teams that like the data engineers, because we saw like in the keynotes today, they talk about bridging the gap between the data engineering team yes. and the data science team, which I like the fact that you went one step further and talked about the ops team, the DevOps team, the deployment teams. So you're helping not just in the data cleansing, Yes. You do have some data cleansing tools. We do. Tools, oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, in the market, we are data cleansing on Hadoop, on Spark. Mm -hmm. And then not only on that, any of the sort of more legacy oracles, Teradatas, HANAs, um, we, we are effectively a front end in a UI environment for all of those technologies. Or if you happen to want to write Scala, okay. you can write Scala or okay. SQL or whatever you want. So do you manage like Kafka streams, like that so, kind of so conversation? So uh, Kafka is sort of always a funny one. Uh -huh. uh, we integrate with uh, certain parts of Kafka for, say, REST APIs. So mm -hmm. if someone passes me an unenriched vector of information, right. I need to send it through my API uh, uh, we actually do the enrichment plus the modeling, plus the, the scoring itself, right? Yeah. Like resolving the model. Um, but the the use cases around pure Kafka for machine learning, like the learning, online learning, yeah. are small. Yeah, it's minimal. So we can ingest really, uh, we don't even ingest, we can orchestrate really large data sets mm -hmm. if we need to gotcha. that are high frequency. Yeah. Uh, but we often, nobody's come up with a really good story yet no, I get on that. that one. So, but you're helping organizations take this, Data, bring it in, make yep. sense of it, yep. cleanse the data, yep. and then actually deploy models. So are you yes. integrating with the machine learning libraries? All, it, okay. Yeah, so you know, think of Data IQ as being um, uh, an orchestrator or mm -hmm. a conductor of other best of best of breed technologies. Okay. Uh, so you might have a Hortonworks or a Cloudera environment plus a Teradata plus an Oracle environment. And I and I need to reach into that, that space, uh, pull, data, pull data together. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say pull out because we, we're... We're very cognizant of not moving data around where possible, right? So certain tools are really good at, at certain things. Like so Hadoop can do MapReduce well. Why why recreate the wheel? So we actually just write help you write MapReduce and push it into into Hadoop. Makes sense. But at some point the data set is ready to roll, right? And so from there we have our uh, we have our own internal Python instance, and of course, you can customize that however you want using Anaconda or anything else, um, or Aconda. And so, uh, the machine learning would actually happen orchestrated by Data IQ in Python or any other R package, whatever you want, totally open or source, Spark. or Spark, or or uh, MLlib H2O actually mm -hmm. is a library for us. Okay, uh, we have a point and click interface to that, but you can always always write code. Um, so. So it's all integrated in one place using whatever best of breed um, open source technologies exist. Okay. So then you've got you've taken it from the data ingest to leaving the data where wherever it needs it to is. be. Use the build frameworks that make sense. Yep. Build the model. Yep. And then you talked about scoring. Help me understand the scoring of the yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's a couple ways to deploy models in machine learning, right? Um, probably more than just a couple, but but the ones that so usually make sense is batch, right? So I'm going to take a I'm going to take a, a model that I've trained at some other point. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, bring an unscored data set in. I'm going to score uh, with without really the need for strict timing associated with it. Um, or maybe so, but but basically it's an overnight thing, batch job, right? Uh, and I score that data set in. And then I land it somewhere else. And so we'll help orchestrate that, that process from uh, 
from a bunch of data set types to a uh, machine learning model and then to a bunch of other lo remote locations. So you might say, all right, at the end of this, I want to punch it back into S3. Cool. Okay, we'll help orchestrate that process and abstract away from the technology wherever possible. So that's one way, frame of work of scoring in our flow that we support. The other one is through our API model, real-time API model deployment. Um, and so what that is, is any of the models inside of Data IQ, whether it's through code or through point and click, can be deployed uh, uh, as, a, as a RESTful web service. Okay. And we facilitate that process so uh, that if you want to, uh, you could take that same model which is used for batch scoring at one point and then uh, surface it as a REST API, uh, put it up on uh, AWS or Just Azure. So, so an application can feed it yeah, you can call, some set of parameters. Yeah, like, hey, should I, uh, should I accept this person's uh, application for credit and how much should I have it, have it be? In fact, we have a, a large customer that uh, builds, builds and deploys 4,000 different sets of REST, REST RESTful web services mm -hmm. uh, every week, wow. uh, and they're unique to customers uh, using the Data IQ platform completely programmatically, so they don't even touch the UI to do this. Uh, build and deploy them uh, up into their their environment, and like oh, they, they actually sell they sell the results of that. They, wow. We're middleware for that for that particular customer. So if somebody's able to do it at that scale, four thousand a week, there has to be some like this like rinse and repeat thing, like oh, where you're like totally. Where you can where you can absolutely like oh I did this once but I need to tune it yes is that is that something that customers so, are using so the it, to it do? is yeah so the entire really the focus of the platform is to make things reusable so if we look at the data science world and I'm gonna p piss a lot of people off when I say this like we don't we don't we don't get enough things into production we're slow oh, yeah. right um, and it's because the process is not. You know, sometimes you do a lot of investigation for insight, and you learn some stuff, but none of it's usable in a really yeah. useful way. It doesn't right? have a meaningful like, business outcome. You're like, oh, that didn't work. Yeah. Well, you're gonna, in data science, you're going to get a lot of, oh, that didn't work. Yeah. But to do that, the stuff that didn't work, it takes you a long time. Mm -hmm. Now, in that process, there's, a, there's the line that the data scientist's time is spent cleaning and manipulating data. Well, the first time that happens, we're not going to be able to help you. It's still going to be 80% of your time. Yeah. The question is, is there something reusable in that in that sequence of steps, right? The second time, do I have a data set that I can make discoverable across the entire organization so that nobody has to build that data set again? Can I reuse the data, right? Um, can I reduce the number of times it's copied or stored? Can I make that 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 pipeline process a little more dynamic? And that's where Data IQ sits. So that makes a, a bit a bit more sense to me now because if I think about the, you said early on that Florian thinks of the platform as a communications layer. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm doing work, that means I'm allowing teams to collaborate more effectively. The the, the everybody in those personas yes. that you talked about, you serve. Mm -hmm. Now they can leverage each other's work. So is this a yes. this is a platform that's run at the enterprise level on prem for lots of users? Is it like a one time desktop deployment? Like how do enterprises take advantage? It's exactly of as you as you mentioned it. It's uh, first. It, it is um, uh, we're sort of platform agnostic, right? Mm -hmm. So AWS, Azure, GCP, um, or uh, completely on-prem mm -hmm. or hybrid of the of the two. Okay. So we actually have um, almost the most complicated way to deploy Data IQ, um, which is which is sometimes fun, um, sometimes challenging. Uh, but yes, one single install, everybody's working off the same space. In some sense, you can think of it as Slack for analytics, right? Or you could think of it as uh, Google Docs for analytics. It's yeah. really this. It's it's really kind of like that. Google Google and that's a pretty rad Google analogy. Docs and Slack yeah. for analytics. 
Okay. I like the idea, too, of, you know, you talked about your process where data science projects don't necessarily get put into production, but Data Haiku can help from the ingestion period to the QA testing to getting it pushed in. Uh, Can you expand a little bit more on uh, what the security would be around that? So. Do we have a concern there about that? So, so a lot of the security is the data security, right? So, um, and and speci- I'm going to take this in a slightly different direction and talk about things like GDPR versus like the the Kerberos and all their all that stuff, which we do, right? Kerberos, LDAP, all these things. Um, but when you start to think about what GDPR is around security, right, or data security, data, data privacy. Um, this is the part that I don't think anybody has really spent enough time with, and that's that. It's not sufficient to look where your data are sitting. GDPR is not a data at rest problem. GDPR is a data science lineage problem, right? It's, it's where, where did I get the data? What did I do with it? How did that translation happen? Who had it? Who touched it? Which models were built on it? And then where did it go? Right, so from beginning to end, it's a lineage of the data science process. It's not, oh, I had this data set here, yeah. And then the data set is sitting over here, and I'm watching it for PII. That's important. Yeah, but that's right? not the whole story. But it's not a stock problem. It's a flow problem. Yeah. And so I, I think that platforms like ours um, that focus on the movement, uh, who touches what, mm-hmm. and you know, and where the data are stored is really important for checking a lot of those GDPR boxes. Absolutely. Okay, interesting. So obviously can be used in the enterprise, as you said, in the yep. hybrid cloud, multi-cloud yep. kind of world. Is there a way for us to, if let's say, uh, you know, somebody who's looking at it IQ before your before your sales team and your team gets to them, is there a way to like download it and play with it for free today? No, I mean, if we, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course, okay, actually, excellent. the 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 one of the amazing things um, about about working with with Data IQ is that we are so open and letting users touch and utilize the software before they and and i've been at places where that wasn't necessarily the case yeah um so there's a couple ways to get get familiar with the software right now if you go to the website there's a try now button you have two different options you can either install it anywhere you want and for two weeks you will have the ability to um make as many users when we say workers as you want and let and connect it to anything you want after the two weeks it'll actually just revert down to one user but it still works in a nearly full featured form uh so that when we say we're a communication platform we're really then just pulling back the communication part yeah right so okay let's let's see if there's real value in it but other than that you know you can play with the software that that way. We have a, a hosted, completely hosted trial where you just sign in with LinkedIn and yep. you know without with no no install at all. Uh, there you go. There's also images on Azure, the Azure Marketplace, okay. um, and uh, and AWS Marketplace. Very cool. Now, one of the areas you talked about that kind of the, that last layer, that last line is we've developed the model yep. and we want to package it for deployment. Yep. And you said you can do REST APIs. That's yep. kind of cool. But did I see that there's some there's some developments happening in the Docker space to simplify that within yes. the Data IQ platform? Yes. So so uh, we we have a number of things coming down the in, in the pipe with Docker and Kubernetes, right? And yesterday we released one of the one of the initial things, which is to actually take that API um, package. So we have a let me explain a little bit how the workflow happens. So Data IQ is this giant metadata repository collector of, of instructions, right? And so in the design environment, I build a flow that says, go out to Teradata, run this SQL, go out to Horton, Hortonworks, run this, MapReduce, bring it in here, do this Python, do this, and it's just a set of JSON instructions. We bring that down as a giant zip file with a bunch of information in it, and then we, we, we can take it and put it in a couple different places. One is into our automation environment, which is this standalone 
own sort of um, uh, almost a container, if you will. But it's our own it's our own environment to to do production. Uh, and then we have an API environment where it's a, a even lighter weight thing that all it does is serve uh, you know rest this this service and you just ping it right. Uh, so what was announced yesterday was that uh, using Docker and Kubernetes, the last thing I described in the API node uh, can be uh, you know very conveniently deployed inside a container. Uh, so we're that's one of many things coming. Um, in so the that smells like to me, like that use case wise, that feels like you're kind of connecting the dots between I've I've brought data in and built a model, and now I want to deploy it. It sounds like that actually makes it easier to then deploy like at the edge. To yes, where absolutely. If I build a model and I can build it in a container platform yeah. that we've seen, Docker, Kubernetes, the 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 the, the infrastructure required to run those platforms is shrinking at the edge, right? That that seems like a really nice story to connect into the IoT messaging. I, I think so. Yeah, we're we're really um, we're excited about how that that can um, well really unlock some more flexible deployment strategies. Yeah. That's really what it is. Now, does the then, of course we have to have the logo on the website? Like, if you don't have Docker and Kubernetes, on, yeah, what are you on doing? It, you do, what are you doing? Like you're nobody. You know. We, but out of curiosity, so can you actually run? I know you said hybrid cloud platform. Can you run Data in a Kubernetes cluster in a Docker cluster? Let's think about it. Uh, so. Right now, you can with a little bit of piping. Um, the nice thing about our, our our environment is it's it's very hackable, okay. right? And I feel like I can say that here. Now, you at the banks, yeah. they freak out when you say like. So I have to yeah. I have to change the words, right? I can't say hackable. I'm like yeah. flexible, flexible, yeah, configurable, you know, configurable, tunable. But, but you know, everything you do inside of Data IQ. You, it, Point and click, you can do programmatically with the API, right? So, and the, and the big customer that I talked about, you know, that's all they do. Um, but uh, back to your back to your initial question, it is possible to do that. Yep. We're going to make it a lot easier in the near future Excellent. with a with I think a more creative way to use Docker and Kubernetes. It's kind of like I mean, think think about the way that um, uh, you know what what did Hadoop really do? Well, nobody would have nobody really would have done Spark. No, not everyone would have this cluster if it wasn't for the phrase kind of just saying, nah, don't don't buy another Oracle box. Buy it, just buy another computer, stick it on, stick it on, stick it on, stick it on. Right? And I mean, for how many years did did uh, universities have supercomputers, right? Yeah. That basically today everybody's got a supercomputer, but they were using it the wrong way, right? They're mm -hmm. still using it to try to process, no offense, big data sets. Yeah. It's more interesting to do lots of small data sets. Yeah. I'm like kind of a small, no offense, okay. I'm a small data guy. Maybe that's, that's the small beer. Small beer. data beer. Small data beer. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We have, yeah. Can we do a spinoff? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I we could do this. a small data mustache. Small data. Yeah. <laughs> Machine learning mustache. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Be nice. An AI Fu Manchu? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little pencil. Yeah. Oh, the pencil thin. What are we going to do I with that one? I can't do that. I'll... That's a, just a standard sequel. No <laughs> sequel. No sequel chin strap. I like this. <laughs> well, Ken, this has been super fun. I'm, I'm I'm excited to hear from you though. Like this is a big conference. I, I this is our first time at the Spark and AI conference. Four thousand attendees. This thing is significant than I had expected. Are there anything like trend-wise that you're that you're kind of looking at here that you found interesting or excited yeah. to hear? So, so it's my understanding that um, uh, the, the main sponsor, Databricks, has put together a, a, a bit more of a process flow around deploying machine mm -hmm. learning models. Again, we've been doing that for four years, so yeah. we feel like if they're moving in that direction, final not finally, but if they're deciding to go that way, it's nice market validation for us. So that's exciting sure. to see. Uh, I'm I think I mentioned the Airflow project and sort of seeing. I, I get to what's fun about this this conference is uh, you know these are bleeding 
leading edge folks, right? These are mm -hmm. the these are the what I call unicorn data scientists. They are. I've got a whole talk on on these unicorn data scientists and the things they know. Of course, everybody thinks they know everything. They don't know everything, right? But 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 these are the folks that are the closest, yeah. and they're starting to. Um, you know, I'm starting to hear sort of some common common themes around the the last leg deployment, the collaboration, uh, the um, you know, of course, elasticity is really important. That was another thing we put out uh, yesterday. It was an, uh, uh, our first plugin uh, to to work with work conveniently with EMR. So the, you know, kind of a kill the footprint altogether yeah. uh, mm -hmm. of, the, of the software. So uh, we're continuing to kind of be more flexible in that space. Very cool. Yeah, we, we see these, uh, the platform conversation I think is interesting. There's everybody's, there's all these different platform as a service vendor showing up in the space, which is, it's not uncommon. I mean, it happened in, in other parts of IT over the last 10 years. So we kind of get that. One that I don't, I, I, I think a lot of folks here I've seen a handful of talks on is hardware innovations, but your platform doesn't seem to be super bound to things like GPUs. We were, we, so currently we can work with, we have a couple plugins to work with GPU enabled devices uh, in the near future, expect that to become more native support. But, you know, again, the, the, the background changes all the time. The first version of Data IQ wasn't a Spark thing really at all. It was a it was a front end for MapReduce, and then we just kind of migrated to the next version of Spark. And as Spark improves, we improve. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing is will be true for GPUs going forward. So, um, yeah, uh, hardware wise, we're kind of agnostic. Yeah. You know, it's a fun place to be. It, <laughs> it makes selling, you know, it makes sort of selling and talking about the software a little less schlocky. Yeah. Because I don't really care what you use underneath the covers. Yeah. Just, you know, use good process. Yeah. Right. How do we help the people in the process get to the technology more effectively? It was kind of fun, too, is uh, I'm an economist. This is data science. We talked about MTSU, right? Mm -hmm. It's just starting this data science program. Well, everybody's kind of got a data science program, but nobody's actually really coached up or trained or, or, or formally trained as a data scientist from the beginning. Yeah. Right? It's a it's a discipline of of mutts. Yeah. Right. And and so anything that can kind of give you an edge uh, as far as skill creep into different technologies is got to be super important, uh, in, especially in big organizations where you just you can't hire enough, no. you know, unicorns. Yeah. Right. So you got to go build them. That's interesting. I like that. Well, Ken, it's been super fun to talk to you. I, uh, I think it's interesting to hear Data IQ as the communication, the collaboration platform that's really well connected into the data science tools, technologies that are driving innovation forward here at this conference and in the industry. It's been fun to hear about the, the next-gen stuff coming around, not just process from data ingestion to curation and collaboration to really reuse some of those best practices that organizations build. I love to hear that, but I want to switch gears on you a little bit. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Pew, pew. All right, first question. <laughs> what year will Skynet go online? <laughs> Skynet's already online. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. See, yeah. see this guy. See yeah. those things. Yeah. Everybody's like, "Oh, 2050, we're way off." I'm like, "You're wrong. It's listening." It's here. It's funny, you know. We we've been uh, last night. I was out with my colleague, and and we were talking about selling selling data science, right? How to think like data scientists, that kind of thing. And and we realized, well, we're like basically in the 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 episode. We're in the Silicon Valley episode. Well, what about? What about the Terminator? Yeah, like most. A lot of times we go out. I go out to. I go out to big companies, big, giant companies. None of them are customers, by yeah. the way. But like the ones that aren't customers yet. Yeah. And they are 
like scared of the of the AI stuff. And I'm like, what? A side note though, did you hear Don Song's keynote this morning? The UC Berkeley professor. The uh, so this this she went through. This was kind of an interesting side. She went through. Um, uh, security and adversarial attacks on machine learning and AI. Okay, and that kicked off a thought process in my head. Like she showed these signs where they do they um for like autonomous cars, where people have gone in and done uh, like spray painted certain things on stop signs to make them appear like a forty five mile an hour sign. Oh, and it's crazy. called ad- adversarial like attacks. And so it started to freak me out that if huh. you know um, Andrew Ning, the Stanford professor yeah, sure. guy, he's kind of a thought leader in AI. He always talks about that. AI in the near term is really more about automation than it is about Skynet. But dude, if we get automation this wrong and there's there's like there's this much that we turn over to the the machine learning platforms, like the thing that she said that stuck with me is as the technologies advance and the tools and the process advance, the attackers follow in footstep. And that was that was mind blowing to me when I started thinking about like, oh crap, if we really turn it all over. Like we don't have to worry about Skynet. We got to worry about dudes that just figure out how to mess with us. A couple of years ago, I, I saw that one of the Google cars for the first time out here in the valley. I was in uh, Palo Alto, and I, I like, I kind of tried to step in front of it. <laughs> I did, I, I did. I, I like, I, I stepped in front of it, and the damn thing stopped. Oh. You know, I was kind of oh, glad. You're well, here. it wasn't yeah. going very fast. It was actually going so slow that I'm like, I could do this. Yeah, you know? I can take it. I can take it's it. And if I did, that's a paycheck. Yeah, that's, that's, a, big, that's a really big one. That's I think good. the weird part for the stop sign one was the stop signs themselves looked like nothing more than a regular stop sign with just like band stickers over it. Yeah. Like you, it's not it's not hard to play with images for and then and then a computer have no idea yeah. what it's seeing. Right. Yeah. It's 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 the broccoli episode from the from Silicon Valley, right? Where he's going, Well, could you take a picture of broccoli but not just or find one, but preferably from different angles. Yeah. Right. I mean that was the beauty of that episode because yeah. it, like that's what you need. And you know, you start monkeying around a little bit with a stop sign and man, you, you it's ugly it, fast. It's a different it's not a stop sign anymore. Yeah. Whole whole nother word. All right. Uh what is the last book you read? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> keeping with the theme, um, radical candor, and I'm having a good time with that. Yep. You know, it's um, it who's cha- that by? I don't know. That. Uh, Kim Scott. Okay. So they they did a, this year. They did a whole season. It's a relatively new book. It's only a year or so old. I think the ideas have been around for some time, uh, but it's it's this uh, uh, sweet spot of of caring about people. Uh, that you work with, plus also challenging challenge, challenging them directly, right? So n- sort of very valley, very valley-like in the way it's thinking, and and she goes through a lot of tips and tricks to 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 sort of try to be in that quadrant and not be in the other places, which are this. So there's a ruinous empathy area, you know, and then there's obnoxious aggression, which is probably where I usually. <laughs> it's actually so I had a <laughs> just, I had one of these uh, these. Um, like executive coaching things happened this session we did and that we had to do this questionnaire and this interview and somebody told me that I was effective at hugging somebody while kicking them in the rear end. There you go. And that I, sounds, I, oh, that, that sounds right. That sounds right. To that <laughs> as a, that's as right. A big data beard employee. That's, that's <laughs> fairly true. <Yeah>. Nice. <laughs> uh, what genre of music are you currently rocking? Oh, you know, I'm a, keeping with the French, I'm a Phoenix, uh, I'm yeah. a big fan of Phoenix and Daft Punk and Foster the People and, but they're not French, but, you know, but, but, but that's my, that's, that's my area. Yeah. I, I wish I was more hip, but I spent a year in LA and, you know, from then on, I'm just, that's all I listen to. That's great music though to focus in on, you know? But, and you know it, what, you know what it is? It's the, it's the love of the 1980s video games. They yeah. all sound like they all sound like like '80s video games. Yeah. So I got a recommendation for you, Andrew Bell. Check it out. Andrew Bell. Got yeah. it. Done. He's uh, he does the music for our our show. He's a friend of ours. Uh, lives in Chicago, but his so his most recent album has this very like 
80s video game oh, kind of vibe to it. It's super dope. I think you'll dig awesome. it. I like it. What is or what piece of technology is making your life worse right now? Ooh. <laughs> what piece of technology is making life worse? Uh, it's probably something around like, can it be software? Like, like, sure. like yeah. the password technology, because I haven't like, I haven't exactly mastered how to use them. Yeah. So what happens is I keep having to reset everything all the time. So, and, and, and <laughs> Do you have and, a password keeper. That well, you the I'm, password I, you know, I'm using like the free version of Dashlane, which is great. But like half the time I log in locally and half the time I log in on my computer and that's, that's its hook, right? You should got to buy, maybe they'll give me a free for a year or something by the way can but, we can we talk about this for a second the, the weirdest thing happened today while we were down here in the uh in the keynote okay i'm sitting there on my ipad and i had gotten on the core the, the wi-fi with the you know the conference or whatever yeah. he sits down next to me and all of a sudden an alert he's trying to yes. log in and then ask for the password he and i are not connected on the same iCloud account no no i don't know how i did it we i message and we have each other's we, I message info. like that that's, that's, the only thing. Yes. that's it and it literally asked me would you like to do you want to share the password yeah. with kyle it's Prince? brilliant isn't it and then when i was just doing this right well now. that's when you think okay so so up. you know i have some intimate knowledge of the fruit company and yeah. and that what's amazing about we're, we're just just now touching the surface of the amazing things that they can do by connecting the devices. Oh. Not to make this too schlocky with yeah. you know with our technology, but but in essence, yeah, just just having everything on one network um, it can really improve somebody's life. That's why I get a little I, I'm a little less scared of the whole privacy thing because I like opening up. I like that they know where I am and what I what I buy. Yeah, right. I mean, it makes my life better. Yeah, there you go. That, that was. That was a, just a mind blowing moment for us. We both sat there. It's cool. I've yeah. never seen that before. Yeah. That's nutty. Yeah. What is your biggest money pit right now? Personal. Oh, I still yeah. own. I still own a, own a uh, condo in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's, it's just sitting there, and you know, I. I mean, I travel all the time. All right, and I go back there on occasion. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's a that's an enormous that's an enormous money pit for me. That. You know, right. and I travel and work so much that I just don't spend any time like on the the, the business of life. Yeah. So there's there's endless numbers of other things. It's a big opportunity cost, frankly. There you, you go. You know, like maybe maybe invest in something, Ken. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You know, work out. Uh, so you travel a lot for business, yeah. but are you going anywhere interesting with personal life or business? Uh, so in a uh, actually next next week or two weeks, uh, we're heading to Paris for a, actually a, start, a company event, but. It's kind of a nice thing, right? So, if, just shameless plug: if you want to go to Paris every once in a while, come work for Data IQ, which is which lovely. Is but I'm going to extend it and spend some time now. Then there's the question: where am I going to go? Right. I literally have a billion uh, Delta Sky miles, so I could go pretty much anywhere I want. Yeah. Um, in that area, so I don't know yet. Maybe, maybe when somebody listens to this, they could send me a note. I've got say, some like, strong opinions. So I like, can't go here. He just spent two weeks in Italy. I did. Okay. Still so enjoying the jet lag of that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my wife set it up. It was a two-week trip. We flew in and out of Venice, but we hit up Venice, Florence, Rome, uh, Tuscany, uh, the Amalfi Coast. So we did Positano, Positano Capri. Uh, and then Naples, Naples, which he described as the Gary, Indiana of Illinois, of Italy. I actually yes. grew up in Naples, Florida. So oh, did you? Okay. Fun you should just go there instead. I'm kidding. No, I can't yeah. want to go there. I'm a big fan of anything Germany, the any of the Bavarian yeah, culture. Yeah. Big fan of them. This time of year, too. Not It's not quite too hot. Pretty nice. Maybe. Maybe All that's right. where I'm going. There you go. Uh, so aside from Silicon Valley, <laughs> what show are you binging on right now? Ooh, uh, I did finally watch the... Uh, What's the Netflix one with the 80s kids? Uh, the 
Oh, Stranger Things. Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Good yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've seen I've I've seen you know those seasons. I. I so as a dude in AI, have you gotten into Westworld yet or not at all? No, is it is it worth it? Oh my gracious! Okay, I, I, honestly, I, outside of, I mean, Stranger Things was really really good. Yeah. This is one of those that if you're in technology and you kind of see where this, especially the Scott the the Skynet thing we talked about, incredible show. And it's they've they've launched season two. It's out. I'm just working through season two now, but season one was incredible. Now it's a little bit it is uh, candid. It's a little bit uh, grotesque, not grotesque. It's uh. It's got some some nudity and some things in it that you know if you're worried can't, about it. But it's yeah, if you don't want to watch I, with the kids, I but I'll tell you what, adult time, it is a delightful show. <laughs> but I'll yeah, tell definitely you, not the kids, obviously. I, no, <laughs> speaking of like uh, things I don't get, yeah. I'm not a Game of Thrones fan. I've tried to watch it. I can't do it. It's, I, I just don't do it. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I feel weird that I I like I'm the, the only person a that bit doesn't. Better. They make yeah. books out of the show. They put books out. Yeah. Did they make a book out of it? Yeah. yeah. They were an uh, enormous time investment. They're like, they, they're, I did the Audible version of the Game of Thrones books. Okay. They're 40 hours each. They're ridiculous. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Ken, it's been awesome to have you on the show, but I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, did, did you do a talk here? Are you, are you uh, no, actually, I'm flying tonight doing a red eye and giving a talk in Chicago. Two talks tomorrow in Chicago. At one at the Retail uh, the retail Analytics Summit, and then a little, little we're doing another little meetup. Uh, so they keep me pretty busy. Very in fact, cool. uh, even after this, I'm heading down to Palo Alto and doing a couple couple meetings. So. Excellent. Very cool. Uh, well, Ken, we appreciate you working this in. I know that the audience has really enjoyed hearing what Data IQ is doing in the space to really create that collaboration engine for organizations looking to make data science more successful. So thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you so much. It's been so a pleasure. travels. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode. As a reminder, Disney's Data Analytics Conference is only a few months away, taking place in Orlando, Florida on August the 28th and 29th. This is one of the premier data analytics conferences and a must attend for all data analytics practitioners and enthusiasts. Not only is there an all-star lineup of speakers and sessions, but come on, it's Disney! The Big Data Beard team is a sponsor this year and we are offering one lucky listener the chance for a free pass to the conference. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or review one of our podcast episodes on iTunes or Google Play, and you'll be entered into the contest. We will announce the winner on July the 10th. Good luck, and thanks for listening.